This is Creative Mornings, a podcast showcasing the global creative community. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Creative Mornings podcast. This is Matt, and this week we're featuring a talk from April of 2015 when Justin Kingsley spoke at Creative Mornings Montreal. Justin is a writer, a strategist, a creative director, and a photographer, to name just a handful of his credits. And in his talk, he speaks on the topic of humility. I was very determined to get face-to-face with Justin, and after many emails, we were able to schedule a meeting on the back of a recent business trip, which brought him to New York City. Things weren't as seamless as we'd hoped, and our private conference room was scrapped for a mildly busy and very public location. And I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. This is this is so funny. I love it. We are across the street from St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City in a coffee shop at the base of uh, a corporate headquarters. Can we say why we're here? I do a lot of work in sports, so I have a meeting at the NBA today, but we're we're working on a bunch of projects so so yeah the nba did not have room for me and we are (laughs) (laughs) actually there's a room up there for us we just have to figure out a way to get in through that security which will be a a different uh, different pair of socks i think yeah justin kingsley is our guest and usually this is a part of the podcast where we kind of get a background on the person we're about to hear speak but your talk you do such a great job of lining those things up um, we won't bother with that. So I do want to know, where did Creative Mornings kind of come into the picture for you? Why, why did this happen? They reached out to me, man. Like, um, I, I know the guys uh, and girls who organize it in Montreal. And and uh, they came to me one day and said, hey, do you feel like doing this? And I, I'd heard about Creative Mornings, but I, I didn't realize the personal side and all of that stuff. So I'm always looking for a, a, a new way to a new stage, uh, a different way to tell a story. So, I mean, it scared me a little. So right. immediately it was like, okay, it's new, it's fun. I get to talk about myself and it's scary. So, But how did they know about you? I guess in Montreal they've just seen uh, seen some of my work. You know, they, A lot of these people are also involved with C2 Montreal, which is an event where I, I've hosted C2. I've presented case studies at C2. I've interviewed people like Andre Agassi and Martha Stewart. So that's a pretty high-profile event in Montreal. And it really helped me uh, uh, get my name out there for, for some of these, uh, these kinds of uh, speaking opportunities. And I've been doing that for a few years, presenting case studies and trying to be entertaining on a stage. Right. Uh, uh, which you are, and people are going to... Uh, yeah, they're, they're about to hear that. Um, so you're a big deal then in Montreal. I'm kind of, uh, yeah, 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 in a very small pond. That's the problem. <laughs> it's not the size of the fish. That's what people don't realize. It's how big the pool is that that fish is swimming in. So if I'm a big fish, then it must be a small, small pond. <laughs> what do you do then that makes you, aside from C2, your work in television? Listen, one of the toughest questions I always have to answer for people is explain to me what you do. And the simplest and shortest way to explain it is people like me find the best way to tell the right story. Okay, that, that is what we do. I don't know if there's a title. Uh, every place I've worked, they've had different titles. They don't really mean anything. So I'm, I'm, I'm in storytelling. I'm a writer by training. I started in journalism. So the most important lesson I ever learned in journalism was the hook, the lead. You know, what's the most important thing you're trying to tell people? Well, you apply that kind of thinking to the storytelling field in advertising, in television, in biography, books. It all applies. Branding. So, like, right now, I've just finished two branding projects for two big Canadian clients. One's a museum that wants to be seen like a Smithsonian, Mm -hmm. uh, and deservedly so. Another one's in the mining world, you know, more strategic, creative stuff, but they're still looking for a story. Every week for 36 weeks or whatever number of weeks it is a year, I write a TV show about the Montreal Canadiens called 24CH, you know, so it's a different form. It's, it's like, uh, it's not biography but it's, or documentary, but it's documenting the reality of a, a team. I've got two books on the go. So some of it, you know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. I think I'm... I'm one of maybe the uh, the first wave of people who were interested in multimedia storytelling, you right. know. And growing up, my heroes were people like Da Vinci, who could take his skills and apply them to a bunch of different fields. 
That guy was an engineer. He was an artist. He was a politician. He was a strategist. He was a. So, does that mean you he, you took five different degrees? No, you know what I mean. Like right. you figure out what you're good at and you do it. So I guess long story short is, I try to find the best way to tell the right stories, in any field because any challenge motivates me. Right, and that actually speaks to something that comes up often in this podcast and education just kind of floats to the surface and it's often we go about it the wrong way. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but here, you know, there's such a, like a rote, like we have to do this, this math uh, requirement, this science requirement, this, 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 and then you go to college and you have to pick a major and you have, you know, it's. Someone's going to have to explain to me why I was still taking math courses when I was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I took calculus three times. It, It didn't take. Now, I read a book about the history of calculus that knocked my socks off. It's amazing. But I think our education system in North America is, is a bit of a joke. It, hasn't, it doesn't seem to have evolved a great deal in 50 years. And the worst part is, is I don't see education being a big part of our politicians, Canadian or American, uh, our politicians' priorities. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is the key, like to me, the tip of the spear to solve every single problem on the face of the earth is education. Yeah. Because when people learn how to do for themselves and just learn about openness and all these things, then you have fewer racists and bigots and sexists and none of these assholes, excuse my French, because they learned. They learned that we're born, we're purple, we die, we're gray. You know what I mean? And then the, the long song's over and the dirt nap begins. So... I, I don't know what. Yeah, anyway, so no, education. That, you, you get me started on education, bro. It's a, <laughs> it's a dangerous tangent. That's exactly what I wanted to have happen because I think you're a great, a shining example of there is no path, and it's not. It doesn't have to be one gig, your entire life. That's an old school way of thinking. Man, I I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, the I talk to a lot of student groups, and I tell them there is one tool you're going to need, and they all look at their phones, and I go, it's not your phone. It's a machete. And then they give you that dumbfounded look, what mm-hmm. the hell is this guy talking about? Every morning I feel like I, I wake up and I'm at, I'm at the, the, the wall of a, for, a, a forest wall, a jungle wall. And I got to get in there and create the paths I want to go down to do the things I want to do. And so the most important tool I've got is this uh, virtual machete mm-hmm. that I just say, okay, I want to go in that direction. Let's go in that direction. But our education system, um, when I look at what's happening in, in countries like Finland, and I'm very jealous, Norway, I get very jealous of what they're doing. I have a two and a half year old son. And right now I'm, I'm looking at my friends who have eight year olds who are doing two hours of homework every night. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking with my wife and having serious conversations with her and friends in our neighborhood that maybe we should send him to the shitty school so there's less homework mm-hmm. so he can learn to play more. Because I kind of feel, hey, if you can come out of school learning how to read and write clearly, and in our world it'll be in two languages, parce que je suis un francophone, hein? mm-hmm. je suis un franco-ontarien, I'm a Franco-Canadian, I'm a Franco-Ontarian. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's all Greek to me, right? That's the old joke. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, the machete is the tool you're going to need, and uh, a lot of times a helmet. Right. Yeah, that's good. There's a lot more from our conversation, and we'll play it back after this talk. But before we get into it, quick disclaimer, Justin uses a lot of slides, and while I was able to edit some of those references out, there were some that I chose to keep in to maintain the flow and energy of his talk. So here you have it from the St. James United Church in downtown Montreal, Justin Kingsley on humility. We got a big game tonight, so uh, we need some good karma. Good morning. Oh, that was pretty good. Usually you have to do that twice. Uh, I've been told I got 20 minutes. I thought it was 25, so I'm going to talk as fast as I possibly can. But I really want to thank you for being here today. I am truly humbled to see so many people here to to hear me, among others, uh, speak. Uh, At the last uh, uh, Creative Mornings, I asked some people, what do they expect from the person on the stage? Uh, Can everybody hear me okay? What do they expect from the person on the stage? And they said, we expect to be inspired. We expect something personal and we expect to learn something. So I'm gonna try to hit all three of those nails on the head. But before I begin, I have a special request. May I not be struck down for the things I'm about to say. (laughs) Perfect, so 
A good talk about humility should start by, oh, that was the striking down. Uh, I want you all to do something. I want to take 30 seconds, and I want to do a tradition that exists in the church, is I want you to look around you, find someone you've never met, you've never seen, take 30 seconds, shake hands, and say hello to that person. Hi, I'm Justin. Nice to meet you. Salut. Salut. Ça va? Merci d'être là. Very good. All right, everybody, come back to me. I'm I'm talking here. We just created a social network. Jesus was doing this 2,000 years ago, way before Mark Zuckerberg, all right? And I'm really proud to do it here in St. James Church, one of the most open-minded institutions on the face of the earth. Right where I'm standing, gay people come here and have the right to get married and express their love. You can be any faith you want to be in this building because these people realize there's only one religion's but it comes in dozens and dozens of versions. And I think that's pretty cool. So thanks to the St. James Church people, wherever you are, for letting us come here today. Yeah. All right. So let me begin by telling you a little bit about myself. Uh, My goal has always been to measure myself against the very best people in the world in any chosen field. I started in journalism, and I worked at the Canadian press. I covered sports. And I went to the Nagano Olympics, the greatest Olympics I've ever seen. I've been to half a dozen of them. And I broke the biggest story in the world about Ross Rebliati losing his gold medal because he had smoked marijuana. First guy in the world. And then a few months after that, I realized journalism isn't for me. I wasn't born to talk about what other people are doing. I need to do stuff. And I also find there's so much negativity in the media today that I can't be part of it because I'm too positive a person, or I'm trying to be too positive a person. So I spent two years on a buddy's sofa. I worked at Unamas as a busboy. Unamas was a bar in Toronto, and I emptied ashtrays and picked up empty glasses. It was quite a fall. You want to talk about humility? That's humility. And I learned photography during those years. And then I went to Parliament Hill, and I became chief of media relations for the government of Canada. And I applied for this job, and I was the only person who applied, and I found out why. (laughs) That's how I got that job. Because the sponsorship scandal was about to break and everybody except for me knew it. But I came out unscathed. And that led to the Prime Minister's Office of Canada where I worked for the Right Honorable Paul Martin for a year. But I quickly realized politics isn't right for a guy like me either. Because I don't like to bullshit people and I don't like to lie to people. And so I went on and I left and I, I joined Cassette and I thank you Cassette for, uh, for making this possible. Worked at Bleu Blanc Rouge and then Sid Lee as a partner. In between there I went to Europe to support my wife who is one of the most awesomest basketball players you'll ever see play. And so I took a year off and I went to be a hoop wife, which was awesome. <laughs> and uh, I've been very lucky to be working with great people uh, in all those different places. And then a year and a half ago I quit, I left and I went on my own. And it's because this is what I want to become. I want to become a modern version of a Renaissance man. When I said this to Francis, he said, oh, you should start with that. <laughs> and I went, I went, okay, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm trying to become one of the best multimedia storytellers in the world. And that's my goal. And people laugh at me sometimes. I want to get on Jimmy Fallon. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but that's how I think. I think if I do things right, within a few years, I'm going to be up there on Jimmy Fallon and he's going to pie me in the face. I'm going to be the happiest guy in the world. (laughs) But so to get prepared for today, I started talking about, you know, with my friends, my family, that I was going to give a talk on humility. And this is how they reacted. (laughs) Every single one of them, including my parents, Jean-Pierre and Suzanne. Only one who didn't laugh was Al Pacino. He's a very serious person. (laughs) Um, But I quickly realized I don't know shit about humility. If I knew, these people wouldn't be laughing. So I did what I always do when I don't know something about a subject. I did a little research and I looked up what humility is all about. And this is what I found. The first thing I found is the act of lowering oneself in relation to others. Well, you know what? No thanks. If that's what humility is, I'm not interested in it. And I don't think you should be interested in it either. I think that's an old concept 
for past times in a church probably that looked a lot like this one, but didn't feel at all like the, the one we're in today. Then I thought a clear, I saw a clear, perspectives, a, a clear perspective for one's place and context. Who the hell wants a clear perspective? How the hell am I going to get on Jimmy Fallon if I have a clear perspective on my own talents? I got a dream. We all have to have dreams that people laugh at, and if we don't, we're wasting our time. So screw that. Acceptance of one's defects. Now we're starting to talk about something. The smartest thing I ever did was realize how stupid I am, how ignorant I am. Uh, first year university, first uh, uh, essay I wrote, I thought was awesome. It was a story about Patrick Aymon, the guy who sat next to me in class. I got a D minus. The professor wrote, who do you think you are? Are you a psychic predictor? I took that paper and I pinned it on the door next to my, the door I walked through every day to go to school so that every single day I would be reminded of how stupid I was and how pretentious I'd been. I put a chip on my shoulder. And that's when life started getting interested because I started facing my own ignorance and being comfortable with being ignorant. Once you realize that, then learning becomes awesome. You become curious. The Latin word for humility is humilis, Latin for grounded, literally from the earth. And that got me thinking about my grade 13 teacher, Gordon Hurd. Gordon Hurd wasn't the most popular professor, but I liked him because he let me debate with him in class, even though I had no idea what I was talking about. And one day he made us write a paper, and the theme was... A truly free man knows how to dream and how to invent life. And that day my life changed because I started thinking about my dreams. I'm not going to play for the Montreal Canadiens. That would be a, a stupid dream for a guy like, I'm 44 years old. I can't hardly skate. But I can be part of the team. I can be a creative consultant, which is one of the things I'm doing now, and help build that team, the brand globally, help connect with it. Help reconnect the spirits and the ghosts who are pissed off that we left the forum for the Bell Center. Okay? So they'll forgive us. So they'll put another curve on some Marty McSorley stick. So that some moron like Don Cherry will send too many men out on the ice. So that we're going to build karma for our brand and bring a 25th Stanley Cup to Montreal. That's how I, I know how to dream. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you. Hey, okay. Let's do one Go Habs Go. Just one. Okay, I'm going to cue you. Just one. On three, we're going to do a go, Habs, go. All right, I want to hear you. One, two, three. Go, Habs, go! Oh, man, that's awesome. Look, look, the hairs are standing. It's amazing. Thank you. So, so that's what I believe I can do. That's the role I'm playing. I want to talk to you about my projects because you want to know what humility is to me. The greatest form of humility is to take your talent and put it in the service of other people. That's what you have to do. And if you want to be a great creative, and you want to tell stories that resonate with people, well, the brands aren't about the brands anymore. They're about the people. The stories have to be about the person who's consuming that content. So here we have Andre Zoom Anderson. It's a picture of him smiling. It says, that's me on a good day. We put him as a major face of the London Olympic campaign we did for Adidas when I worked at Sid Lee, and thank you, Bertrand, for letting me part of that, be part of that team. The whole campaign was called Take the Stage, because we knew kids weren't going to be interested in the javelin throw. They're interested in themselves. So we built a stage, and for a year and a half, the Olympics weren't about the Olympics. They were about London kids, 32 of them. And then we built a whole campaign around them. And then so they would see themselves in that Olympic campaign. It won best campaign of the Olympics. Adidas broke sales records with this kind of thing. It was a win-win situation. It worked. Second one, this year I write a show, I just finished writing a show called 24CH about the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know anything about hockey. I told them when they offered me the job, I said, I want to write a story about the people around the Montreal Canadiens. We went to Winnipeg with Dale Weiss and his wife. We we saw them learn the sex of their baby. And his wife went, it's a girl, we're going to call her Jordana, so that I can call her Jordana Banana. <laughs> I put that on TV. <laughs> because that's what the fans want. They want to learn who are these players, what makes them tick. I tell people, my show is popcorn with real butter. <laughs> it's 
not bad for you. It's a nice, delicious treat when you want to get ready for the game. Vancouver Olympics, I wrote with Bleu, Blanc, Rouge, Gaetan et Mourek, we developed the slogan of those games, the whole communications vision. The slogan was, with glowing hearts, des plus brillants exploits. That wasn't about the Olympics, it was about Canadians. Because we had hosted two Olympics before, Montreal, remember those, and Calgary. At both those Olympic games, we didn't win a gold medal. The only country in the world to host an Olympics, and we didn't win a gold medal. And we did it twice. I love the Olympics. I'm a historian, a, a buff of Olympic history. I've got friends here who have been with the Olympic movement, who have walked in the opening ceremonies right over there. We're rank sentimentalists about the Olympics. And two years before those games, we had a feeling that we were going to hear our anthem played at our Olympics. But I'll tell you, no one was more relieved than me to see Alex Bilodeau come down that hill and win a gold medal on our soil and hear the song. We developed for George Lucas, Montreal Company, X3, an exhibition called Star Wars Identities. It's not about Star Wars, it's about what happens to you when you go through the exhibition. You find out about yourself and which characters you most resemble. That's what people love. They come out and they go, oh, I'm 6% this, I'm 94% Yoda. <laughs> George Lucas asked me, who's the guy who got 6% Palpatine? And I had to put my hand up. <laughs> I wrote a book about Jacques Saint-Pierre. You'll notice my name's not on the cover. It's on page five. That's a bit of humility, and I don't mind, because my dad said everyone who needs to know is going to know. So I'm telling you today, but I'm unbelievably <laughs> proud. Hey. Hey. It's called The Way of the Fight. It's not a biography of Jacques Saint-Pierre. It's the story of the greatest lessons of his life, so that when you read the book, you learn from his lessons. That's one of the great things you learn from a guy like Georges is you learn from his mistakes. Unbelievable. And the next book I have coming out, either between, in September or January, I have no idea when, it keeps changing. It's called, I wrote it with the president of a bank. It's my second book after the New York Times bestseller. So you see, now, now my name's 20% the size of the guy I wrote it with. I'm moving up. <laughs> it's called Weology, a word I invented. How everybody wins when we comes before me. I'm not explaining that one to you. It's pretty clear. So, who's this guy? Raymond Davli. I met him when I was developing the slogan for the Vancouver Olympics. I saw him on a train. He had the Order of Canada. I said, I'm going to talk to that guy. Hey, who are you? What do you do? I'm a composer. I compose for the organ. We started talking. I, at the end of our chat, I, said, I asked him, who, who, should, who should I listen to? Who are some of the musicians that you're listening to these days? And he said, uh, I can't tell you. I went, what do you mean you can't tell me? He said, I don't listen to anybody else's music. I don't have time. I don't have time to listen to somebody else's music. I worked in advertising for years, and people say, did you see this campaign? Did you see that campaign? No. I'm too busy working on my stuff. On Friday night, I'm working. On Saturday, I'm working. I love what I do, and that's why I'm able to do that work. This guy inspired me to change my life and not go out. I learned from him, find out what you're good at and then work harder at it than anybody else you know. And know that when they're out there partying, you're at home working or you're coming to an event like this or you're doing something to make yourself better. You're funny, make me laugh. You know something, teach me. You're inspirational, then move my butt. But do something that I'm going to feel. Do something that you're going to feel. Because passion is contagious. All the time I get, you're so passionate. When I pitched that, that slogan for the Olympic Games, a woman came up to me after and said, you should run for prime minister. <laughs> I laughed so hard, I pulled a muscle in my chest. <laughs> this is a reflection of me, of, my, of me and my computer. It's a picture I took because I came face to face with my own ignorance, with who I really am. And I asked myself the tough questions. What are you good at? What do you suck at? I suck at art direction. I suck at graphic design. Francis made this about 400% better than it was yesterday because there were pixels, apparently, whatever those things are, all over the presentation. I learned to be honest with myself. That's important because honesty takes courage. You're scared to be honest with yourself. You're scared to admit that you suck at something. Well, I love admitting that I suck at something. 
because then I find somebody else who's good at it and we become a team. JFK said, there are risks and costs to a program of action, but they are far outweighed by the long-term risks and costs of comfortable inaction. That's why I get some of the jobs, some of the mandates I get. My job number one is not to be friends, not to be liked. I want to be liked. I want to be friends with the people where I work. But someone's got to make decisions. Someone's got to make unpopular calls. I'm prepared to play that role. We have to understand what roles we play. It's a team. Everybody on the team has a role. And sometimes you're the person spinning the wheel, and sometimes you're the person waiting with the receptacle. It doesn't matter because there are no small roles. There are just small actors. Hey, pretty good, eh? <laughs> like I've been timing, working on that timing. My grade nine theater teacher told me that line. I've never forgotten it. Sometimes you're the person calling the shots. Sometimes you're not. Play your role to the fullest. I'm going to explain to you why. I asked George, this is, about a, uh, this is a shot from a photo exhibition I'm going to be launching hopefully in November of shots I did of George. And so I asked him last week, George, what do you think of humility? And he said, I want you to quote me. Humility is a cover. It's a fake. It's something that people do in the right society to come off the right way. And I went, oh, thanks. Good. He goes, no, I'm not done. He goes, when I walk into the octagon, I don't have any doubts. I'm an unstoppable machine. I'm going to kick that guy's ass. That's what's in my head. And if I have any, if you've seen George do the big walk up to the octagon, there's a guy who's taller and bigger than me named Christoph with more tattoos and angrier and tough. And he's screaming into George's ears. He's telling him, you're going to destroy that guy. You're an unstoppable force of nature. Well, if that applies to the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, why wouldn't I learn from that? Why wouldn't I have this self-belief? Why wouldn't you? Why not believe in the power that you have? This is George. If I knew how to put a video and embed it in a presentation, this would be George telling you how amazing I am. Because <laughs> George surrounds himself with the very best people in areas where he's weak. He loves what you know that he doesn't know. He said to me one day, hey, you got to try this new food I tried, guacamole. I'm like, bro, man, I, guacamole's been around. He goes, oh, it's amazing, good cholesterol. And we talked about guacamole for half an hour because he had just discovered it. Doesn't care. I don't know stuff all the time. Don't care. Four words that are a lot better than humility. Equality. Why can't we just all be equal? The only time you realize that men and women aren't equal is when you watch the woman you love more than anything in the world give birth. And that's when you realize how inferior men are to women. Do we have Aretha fans in the room? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Okay, we're going to try it again. We're going to try it again. Take two. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. No, find out what it means to me. Come on. What's the best way to earn a person's respect? It's to give it. Start by giving that person your respect, and then it's amazing what you get in return. Love. The most important part of my presentation today is that word. And it's not necessarily about loving other people. It's actually about loving yourself. The biggest problem I have with the people where I work and the people in my life is I find they don't love themselves enough. Because when you love what you do and you love what you're good at and you're proud of it, something miraculous happens. Your insecurities go away. You're not threatened by that other person. When that other person says something brilliant, Instead of feeling threatened by that person, that person's idea, and wanting to destroy it, you go, wow, let me bounce. Let me bounce on that idea. I love bouncers. Then you can start loving other people. But you can't love other people if you don't love yourself, and you can't be properly loved if you don't love yourself first. You have to be realistic about that love. Know how to dream and invent life. But that's the biggest problem, is people's insecurities facing others. So why not just love everybody? That's the way I feel about it. And truth, be honest with yourself and be honest with others, but know what to expect. I may not be the best person to ask if your ass looks fat in those jeans, because I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> humility may be dead, but long live humility. This is the part about the personal story. That's my first nickname, Jeremy's. 
grade two. I was the reject. I was the loser. Uh, I've never told this story to anybody, so forgive me if I get a little, uh, I'm going to try to focus, okay? Linda knows, and I don't even think my parents know, but I was that kid. I didn't have a lot of friends. There was Roxanne and Veronique who were nice to me, I think, when nobody else was around. So something wonderful happened is I spent all this time alone and I developed my imagination. I learned how to invent stories with my Lego and my little uh, soldiers. I learned how to do handstands on my own. And then I discovered something beautiful. The last day I lived in Orleans, Ontario, they tied me to the post. They were playing a game. I knew it was a They were fooling me, but I, I played anyway because I wanted so bad to be accepted by these kids. And they tied me to that post, and then they left me there for about an hour. It was a day a little bit colder than, than today. And uh, then when I started getting out of those ropes, finally, uh, they came out of the house. And they got so angry at me that they kicked me into the ditch. And then the next week, I was moving to the big city of Ottawa, so I went back to that kid's house, and I wanted to beat him up. And I couldn't do it because I'm a good person, and I'm not going to let those people win. I'm going to thank them for tying me to the whipping post, because without those jerks, I wouldn't be standing, I think, where I'm standing today talking to you about these things, and I wouldn't have that chip on my shoulder that makes me just want to be liked and respected and cared for and told, you're a good person. So I want to thank those, those people for all the things you've done for me. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Whew. Um, something miraculous happens when people make you feel like you're different, like you're a worthless piece of feces, is, is you start feeling like you're different. And then after time, you realize, I am different. And the only people who treat you the right way are your mama and your papa and your sisters. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, excuse me. And then after, as time goes by, you realize, I like being different. And then when you go to school, people realize you're different, and you get a job, and you turn your different into a full-time, well-paying occupation. And one day you're standing on a stage, and you realize you turn that piece of feces, that turd, into a delicious O. Henry bar. <laughs> Cat Stevens, now Yusuf Islam, he saved my life. His, his music and his words saved my life, because I learned the lyrics to every one of his songs because he sings about possibility and positivity. You've got so much to say. Say what you mean, mean what you think, and think anything. Why not? I've been singing that since I was 12 years old. Thanks, Kat. On my wall next to Satch, where I, I write all my stuff, I hand wrote these things. Do the work. If not now, then when? And if not me, then who? If you don't do it, someone's going to step in and do that great project. And if you don't sit your fat, lazy ass down at that machine, somebody else somewhere is working to fulfill your dreams. So these are the right questions I ask myself when I want to get lazy, when I feel like going out or having a party. The worst thing that can happen, my parents told me, is if you fail at absolutely everything, you'll probably present something at fail camp, and then you'll be forced to move to the cottage. That's the view from the dock. I can live with that view. And how do I sleep at night? The greater good. That popcorn story I'm telling you about, I want people to love those stories. I want people to be happy when they read the stuff I write, when they see something that I put together with a team. I just want to foster the greater good. I want to be on the, good, the side of the good guys and fight against the bad guys till I die. Okay, please rise. It's the sing-along time. We are going to sing ourselves a little song. I'm going to do it for you once, then we're going to practice, then we're going to do it one last time. So it goes like this. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror, because I get better looking each day. Okay, so repeat after me. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. When you're perfect in every way, I can't wait to look in the mirror, because I get better looking each day. One more time. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble. When you're perfect in every way, 
I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. Yeah. You may sit if you like. That song is very important. I wanted us to sing it for all of us, but I wanted you to know where my humility comes from. My father, Jean-Pierre, built the Ottawa General Hospital in 1979. He was the CEO. And when he announced he was leaving to go work in the federal government to be a public servant, a thousand of his employees threw him a party, and that's the song they sang for him. He delivered that hospital six months ahead of schedule and under budget. And they played that song with a picture of him as a baby. Hopefully I have one-tenth the good stuff that my dad's got, and a, maybe two or three-tenths my mother, but we'll talk about that in another day. The whole key is what's your North Star? What are you aiming for? Me, it's Jimmy and the greatest multimedia storytelling there can be. What's your goal? One of the things you're going to have to learn when you decide you're going for it, you're going to have to learn to say sorry. Sometimes I'm told you should go apologize to that person for the way you were in that meeting. I don't even know why. I don't even remember the meeting. I'm, I'm on a different place. But you go and you say, I'm really sorry. And then you smile. You shake hands. You give a hug. And you move on. Three more things I want to say in conclusion before there's, if there's any time left for questions. If people aren't laughing at your dreams, you're probably not aiming high enough. Elicit some of that laughter. I'm used to it. It gets fun after a while. I just want you to know what a great pleasure it's been for you to hear me speak today. <laughs> and I want to ask you, O oh Lord, to forgive the little jokes on thee, and I'll forgive the great big one on me. And that's everything I have to say about humility today. Thank you very much for being here. More from my conversation with Justin Kingsley in a minute, but first, we have to take care of some business. And this week's episode is made possible by MailChimp. In the old days, and I've been doing it long enough to know, um, it used, I used to have to call people. That's Jenny Britton Bauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream, who just dated herself as an ice cream maker since before the dawn of email. Oh man, I have been making ice cream for more than half of my life, professionally. I quit art school today. I literally walked out of figure drawing class to go make ice cream. Which actually isn't surprising because the way Jenny's approaches ice cream is a lot like working with a blank canvas. Oh, it absolutely, it is like a, like a blank canvas. It's, in fact, I have a, a creative team around me. So on this team, we create all of our new flavors. We do all of our photography. We do all of our copywriting. And so we take it all really seriously, like art. I mean, we love doing the emails. I think that's one of the things that MailChimp allows us to do. It's not like a huge communication team. I mean, it's literally me often writing the emails and then Ryan, you know, and Chelsea putting them out into the world. Which, let's face it, is a lot easier than calling all of your customers to tell them about a new flavor. Yeah. So once we got plugged into MailChimp, the first thing we realized is that they're really kindred spirits to us. They think about email the same way we think about ice cream. Like that they're never satisfied, they're always pushing, they're always looking for ways to get better as they grow. That is exactly what we do every day at Jenny's. You know, and it's both fun for us, challenge and fun, but it's great for our customers, obviously, too. With over 14 million users around the world, MailChimp offers features and integrations that help you send beautiful and powerful marketing emails, automated messages, and targeted campaigns. It's totally free to get started, no expiring trial, and no credit card required. Learn more at MailChimp.com. This episode is also made possible by SiteGround. With web hosting services custom tailored for a variety of projects, SiteGround makes the web stuff easy so you can focus on staying creative. Take Aid Mills, for instance. He hosts a podcast in the UK that focuses on local creatives called The Design Jones. The Design Jones was born out of me just not having any love for design anymore. And I met a guy called James O'Connell, who I did the first episode with. And when he was talking about his career and everything he'd done, it was just absolutely fascinating to me so if that could turn around my love of creativity then surely there's someone else out there that's going to do the same thing for and SiteGround understands the needs of the creative community that's a place they seem to feel at home and everyone I've recommended them to and have used they've all been creatives and they just found it an easy experience for us to use that aren't necessarily tech savvy the web kind of scares them but they find 
SiteGround a bit more of a friendlier place to be when you get to do hosting. And what would you say is one of the main things that sets SiteGround apart from its competitors? From the hosting I had before, which was just really slow, clunky, and it was just hard to kind of get anything moving on it. It kind of feels like you're not a priority or anything. You're just a small fish in a big pond, whereas SiteGround make you feel like you're the, the main person there. Aid is right. And to show you just how supportive SiteGround is, right now you can get up to 60% off at SiteGround.com slash creative. SiteGround. Web hosting crafted with care. We're going to revisit some things that you said. Only a couple. It won't go too long. Dude, and you also, can ask me anything you want about cool. anything. Cool. Yeah. Hopefully, me. if I we'll, can't uh, answer, I'll say I can't answer or I won't. One thing you know I won't do, though, I hope, is I won't lie to you. Oh, I appreciate that. that that's about the only thing. Uh, I don't have a good enough memory <laughs> for lying. Yeah. Well, I don't know I, how those people do it, man. Like you, all the things you have to remember when you're lying to people. How do you just yeah. tell people the truth? But uh, it's funny because when I when I work in branding, I've I worked with people like Georges Saint Pierre, and and uh, like a famous Canadian athletes or actors, comedians, trying to help them position their brand and what their brand is as people. And uh, the first thing is just it's all about authenticity mm -hmm. because people that's the the mistake that politicians make, advertisers make. They treat people like they're stupid. Right. And, and, and people may not have the same level of sophistication as you do if you did your PhD in medieval literature. It doesn't mean they don't understand or they don't feel it when they're looking at someone and that person's lying to them. Mm -hmm. So, And in this day and age, another thing when I say to these clients, I quote um, uh, Warren Buffett who said, you know, it takes 25 years to build a brand and five minutes to ruin one. I tell them that's not true anymore. You get one click now. Mm -hmm. You screw up one time. You click one thing wrong you're dead meat yeah so stop bullshitting people right i agree <laughs> and i, lo I love that approach that was something you said and i think that might have been the thing that grabbed me right like aside from your visible charm and your rapport with the audience my unbelievable good looks it's, yeah it is impressive Un unbelievable <laughs> is the word i like to use um that's that what sucks. got me that's what pulled me in was yeah. the authenticity but speaking of good looks i do want to ask you does my ass look fat in these jeans? <laughs> no, actually, you look pretty good. <laughs> oh, thanks. Pretty I was admiring your shirt, too. Oh, thank you very much. A little herringbone. Yeah, I like that herringbone. I almost wore, stupidly enough, a gray herringbone blazer that I'm super glad I didn't wear now. because oh, That would have been embarrassing. It would have been like we should have called each other before doing yeah. the interview. Right. So I'm, I'm actually afraid to, to tell you this. This isn't a question, but I'm afraid to, um, to tell you this. Um, I have actually been on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Pardon me? I've been on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> For what? Well, I'm a songwriter. Okay. That's my... Okay. Um, and they did a contest. I don't know how... You, you watch it pretty regularly. Dude, I record every show. Oh, really? That's my jam. Oh, wow. There. That's my jam, man. That's it. Yeah, That's my I know. show. And so the minute I heard you say that, I was like, oh, man. When I'm down, when I'm a little <laughs> bit down, I'm having a rough day or, or just it's nighttime. It's been a long day. Yeah. That's what my wife and we sit on the sofa... We put on the Tonight Show, man. Like, wow! And I remember when I was a kid growing up, there used, you know, there was guys saying that about Johnny Carson, and now mm -hmm. it's it's Jimmy. Yeah. And he just he has a magic touch that just brings a smile to my face, and I know I'm gonna giggle like a kid for 44 minutes because yeah. I fast forward through the ads. Don't <laughs> 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 <And laughs> quest love. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like if you follow that guy on Instagram. My goodness gracious, the musical discoveries. Like, he's like, uh, I right. want new music. I just go look what Questlove's doing. Yeah. And then that's, the, uh, uh, what's his name? He was on the show last night. Oh, Gamboni. Uh, Childish. Oh, Childish Gambino. Gambino. Yeah. Oh, man. That's one of the best records of the year. I can't stop listening. And it's because I was on his Instagram and mm -hmm. I heard about his chat with D'Angelo at four in the morning. And, and I've been, so I. Yeah, anyway. You know he's an actor. Uh, that's what I, well, I was talking to people yeah, about, yeah. I didn't know, like, I, Christ, I can't even pronounce his name. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was, t I, I played it for some friend. I'm playing it for everybody in Montreal, and I played it for a friend, and she's like, yeah, he's on that show, this and that, mm -hmm, this guy's mm -hmm. a genius. Yeah, he's one There's of There's a modern version of a Renaissance man. Exactly. That I find inspiring and interesting. He's yeah. taking his skill, and he's spreading it, spreading it, like you, like me, across a variety of media, mm -hmm. and doing it. I mean, you look at his numbers on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted no, no, your thing. Not yeah, at all. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Jimmy right. fan. They do a bit called Battle of the Instant Songwriters. And it's a bit they used to do on the late night show. And they brought it back for The Tonight Show for the first time 
I want to say it was the spring last last spring, and it was a funny moment. I'll send you the link. Oh yeah, um, man. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad you took the news well. I think it's amazing for me. These things they're just they're aspirations. You yeah. know what I mean? There are things you aim for, like the moon, right? What's that expression? Mm-hmm. Aim for the moon, you wind up in the stars or whatever it is. Well, yeah, right. you know, you say to yourself. That's the ambition. It's not some little local show. Not, there's nothing wrong with CTV, local TV in Montreal. But if you're ambitious, if you're driven, and if you, you want to do big things, you aim for those kinds of, uh, of moments. Right. So, uh, but I'm working on it. Yeah. So let's get into some of the things you mentioned. What's the name of the fighter that you... George St. Pierre. Okay. GSP for short. Cool. His quote that you relayed, humility is a cover, it's a fake... It's something people do in the right society, come off in the right way. Yeah. When you asked him, and he told you to quote him on that, do you agree with him, or do you think that there is, is a balance of humility and confidence? So that line that he said to me about humility, one, it really surprised me, uh, and it, it gave me cause for reflection, but I, I, I so agree with him, 100%. And I find it's the biggest problem in, in the professional world that I see today, because people's insecurities are ruining all kinds of relationships, campaigns, work, work environments. They lead to politics. They lead to backstabbing. They lead to non-teamwork, individualism in the workplace. Um, and I've seen it. I mean, I've left jobs because of politics. Uh, I just couldn't stand it anymore. I went right. to the bosses and said, hey, this is great. I'm paying, getting paid more than I've ever been paid. It's a great work. I can't, I can't handle all the, the, the crap anymore. Um, Because when you don't have insecurity, it doesn't mean you think you're great at everything. It means you're a realist. And you know what you're, or you think you know what you're you're good at, and you think you know what you're not good at. And then it opens up your eyes onto other things, things you don't like doing. And then if you want to do great big projects, look at George. Let's take George, for example. People think that when George is in the ring fighting a guy, he's alone. He's physically alone. But to get there... He needed a team, and without that team inside the octagon and a business team around the octagon, he wouldn't be there. He would just be one other fighter. But George flies down to New York once a month minimum and goes and trains with the great jiu-jitsu master named John Danaher. Uh, Then he goes to L.A. and trains with Freddie Roach. He surrounds himself with people who are smarter than him and better than him at key functions that he knows he'll need. Now, he doesn't have the world's best pastry chef in his entourage because he also realizes he doesn't need fluff pastry every morning when he gets up, right? He has a chef when he needs a chef. He has his... So when you start thinking of in those terms and, and, start, and start giving yourself a challenge to say, okay, on my team, I'm going to make sure everyone I work with knows what I'm good at, what they can count on me for, and where I suck so that they see the, the red flags go up before I do. That's a team. And to do anything great, anything at all, you'll never do it alone. Nothing great happens alone. Right. So get over your shit. Get over your fears. And it's hard. Fear has been a huge driver in my life. I have a tattoo on my thigh of the Buddha of fearlessness, pushing her hand, uh, his hand up to push away fear. Because fear is a constant. It's normal, especially in the world that we live in. So anything you can do to consciously, I find, put those things out of your mind. Put those insecurities. Am I good enough for this? You're fucking right I'm good enough for this. I'm good enough to be on The Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. I haven't proven it to people yet. Two books and a few TV shows aren't enough. But that's my cereal. Yeah. That's what I eat in the morning. Those things I haven't done, which push me to make a documentary, push me to write that script, push me to direct that first feature, push me, push, push, push. But you don't get there if you're lying to yourself all the time. And we've been seeing a lot about this, too, uh, uh, lying to ourselves and lying to our kids, right? I read a great piece uh, recently from a coach uh, talking about the danger of of participation rewards. Hey, you finished seventh. Congratulations. Hey, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, finish seventh. Maybe next time you'll finish sixth if you keep working at it. Now, there's nothing wrong if you don't want to win that race. But not everybody can be like that. Right. It's a long-winded answer, but it's, it, it just it changed my life. And working with GSP was a big change in my life because you say to yourself, screw it. Why not me? Mm-hmm. My wife was a professional basketball player. And on her sneakers, she wrote, why not me? Before I wrote my first book, which was the GSP book, which made the New York Times bestsellers list, I still pinch myself. I can't believe it. 
I wrote on the wall, if not you, then who? If not now, mm -hmm. then when? Because of uh, Stephen Pressfield. I read the war, uh, the, art, the war of Art. If you're a procrastinating lazy asshole and you're listening to this podcast, go buy that book. It'll, it'll get your lazy... Sorry, I, I'm, am I allowed to curse at all? Of course all? you are. This I'm is really podcast sorry. media. I'm trying to... I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'll curse in French there. No, I love it. That's actually, to go back to the music thing, we talked about Childish Gambino, but Chance the Rapper, have you heard of him? Uh, um, and he's a completely independent artist. He's the, the kind of guy who's risen the ranks, and he even took out an ad in Billboard magazine, you know, one of those four-year consideration ads for the Grammy Awards, and I believe it actually said, why not me? He's done the grassroots thing from the, from the get-go, and he's been his own boss the whole time. Just get shit done. I think we're going to see more of this in a changing world and an evolving world where people like you and I invent our jobs, invent our occupations. And I think that's a lot of what goes on in these young companies who, you know, the old school turn their nose up at. Millennial. Like, same exactly. The reason those old generations are pushing away the millennials and even folks like me who, you know, are, are I'm 45, but I, I come from that feeling. Right. It's fear. Is, the, is fear. It's they, they don't understand. They haven't taken the time to sit down with that kid and understand what she or he is going through and what their lives are all about. I wrote another book called Weology, How Everybody Wins When We Comes Before Me. Mm -hmm. And it's all about these kids today. And because I had friends owning who own big companies and they'd say, oh, my God, I'm so scared. This workforce and they want to take time off. So let them. Right. Yeah, but they want to change jobs. I go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let them encourage it. So in fact... You should make it a hiring policy to say you can hop from job to job inside our organization. Create a win-win situation. Right. And they want to take two months off? Give them two months off. Unpaid vacation. See you later. Right. Go become a better human being with uh, more uh, education about what's happening in the world. Not formal education, but other people. You're just going to become better at who you are and what you do. Right. As but long stay as with you my company. Yes. Stay with my company 10 years. It'll be even easier. I'll know that every two or three years you need to go away for the summer right. to Indonesia to knock yourself out. Mm -hmm. But the fear, they're scared to death. They don't oh, know what to do. This isn't the way that I, yeah, like that's their. It's not the way I did it. Right. So it's got to be wrong. Exactly. And, and that's a loser attitude. Absolutely. The winner attitude is there has to be a better way. You're right. I think there's always a sea change happening. There's always like the older generation is slowly fading away as the younger folks get in with these companies where you can you know unlimited vacation you have a bar in the <laughs> in the conference room you know these kind of things that are laid back atmospheres which foster creativity and they foster a workspace that makes you not dread getting out of bed in the morning and that's the social side and i was at sidley for a few years and i, I became a partner there the the great creative shop uh, offices around the world but they did something, too, that's absolutely brilliant, is they hired two chefs. And you could get lunch for 7 bucks, And it was a three-course healthy meal prepared by chefs. And in Canada, the government was subsidizing this. So what do you think happens? The young people in their 20s who are working for you, who need healthy food at a cheap, affordable price, instead of leaving the office at lunchtime to go away for 90-minute lunches, will eat at the big communal table you have in your cafeteria with your chefs, the healthy meal, and then um, 45 minutes later to maybe an hour, they go back to work. Mm -hmm. They're building relationships with their colleagues. They're eating healthy food and they're not leaving the office. So everybody wins. Yeah. And once a week you go out for that lunch and you have a glass of wine. But that's one where it's a business case. Say, no, 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 we're going to spend more money, feed these people. But everyone wins. Yeah. Win, win, win. The kid thinks he's winning because at 25 he gets lunch for six bucks. And the boss knows that he's winning because that kid's going right. back to work and billing. And that's what their system. Now, whether you like it or not, for a millennial who's trying to make his or her way in the world in the early 20s with not a lot of money, that's amazing. Yeah. What was the chant you had? What's that chant that you had people? Uh, I had people sing a song. That no, the, the song, but Go Habs Go. What is that? Oh, that's what. Um, that's what the greatest hockey fans in the world chant to get the greatest hockey team in the world going. They scream, go Habs, go. Go Habs, go. Go Habs, go. What's and I mean? had people in the room sing that because the night of my talk, there was a big hockey game. 
What are, what's what are the Habs? What does it go the Habs? Are, go. It's a uh, ha- oh Habs. Oh sorry, Habs no. is short for habitant, which means people who live here. Ah. And uh, a lot of people think that habitant is what the H on the Canadian's jersey stands for because there's a CH on that jersey, which is actually false. The H stands for hockey. Cl- <laughs> so, who knew? <laughs> Me. Uh, club de hockey. Hockey team. Hockey club. Okay. Because when we rebranded the team, the process I started the, that thing four, five years ago is the way we rebranded them is we added an apostrophe S to the name hockey's team. And it changes the whole connotation. That's great. And when Leafs fans see hockey's team, it drives them bonkers, which is absolutely perfect. Yeah, that's great. Nice one. Yeah. So regarding your Creative Mornings talk, has there been any interaction? What was your, what was your response like after the fact? It was unreal. Honest to goodness, there were almost a thousand people in that church. The feedback that I got was difficult to believe so yeah it was unreal now i've been invited uh, to rome to miami to go talk about similar subjects to talk about uh, humility oh that's the other reason they thought of me because i think in my market in montreal where i'm a little bit better known than in new york uh, a lot of people see me as an arrogant guy because of okay. the way i speak because of the way i express myself i'm six three I, I got a big voice i take up a lot of space and I think a lot of people see that, and I'm not even going to argue with them, rightfully so, as a form of arrogance. I think arrogant, arrogance is a bad word. Arrogant is a bad word for if you look at the definition of what it means. Or pretension, pretentious. Uh, or maybe I'd rather be arrogant than pretentious. You know what I mean? But when they get to know you, then they see, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. My C2 character, the guy I play, this host of C2 and this... The, the, he's he's arrogant. A lot of times, the my clients want me to play this guy. Like right now, I'm Mister Montreal for the city of Montreal. It's the 375th anniversary next year of, of Montreal, and I'm going around Canada to business audiences as Mister Montreal with a crown. You know, and sometimes you come off the stage, and the little ladies from Toronto are like, "I find him very arrogant," and you're like, "Yeah, that's the shtick, man. We're we're trying not to take ourselves too seriously here, you know." And um, yeah, so I think that's the, uh, to get back to your first okay. question, I, I think they were curious to see how uh, Kingsley was going to handle humility, right. but little did they know that for most of my life I've been a reject, abject loser uh, who didn't have a lot of friends, so right. surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and so to go back to what you were yeah. saying, uh, what's, what's in Rome, what are these Rome talks, what are you giving, did that come out of Creative Mornings? Came out of Creative Mornings, get they out. saw it, they heard of it, they contacted me through, I have a, a, an agent now. And they contacted the agent and, and uh, uh, yeah, and said, hey, we'd like, uh, would he come talk about a similar subject to inspire our, our audience? Wow. I'm like, yeah, for sure. That's amazing. I love to hear that Creative Mornings was a, was Dude, a launch, it's launch pad. all over the world, man. I've received yeah. messages and just stuff from three continents for sure. Right. And I just, I just, I shake my head. I can't believe it. That's outstanding. So I think this is this has been fantastic. We're gonna close it out with. Oh wow! That's um, fast. Yeah, I mean, time flies when you're doing these things. Almost and forty fun. minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't realize. We have a question that we end each season. We pick one question and we end the episode with our guest answering that question. This season, the question is: If you went back ten years and met yourself, what's one thing you would share with him? Wow. Huh. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd say be nicer to yourself. I think when you're not as hard on yourself, um, you're also not as hard on other people. And I, I think I'd just try to take some of the edge off. I'm a super intense guy, and um, it's because I want to win. I want to do the greatest shit in the world. But it takes its toll. It takes its toll on you, and it takes its toll on, on the people you work with. And I don't think it's always necessary, that level of intensity. So if I had to go back and I could, I would just probably go and just just slow down a little bit and tell me to just go easy and don't push it too much. Right. We have this, well, obviously hindsight is an interesting thing because there's always that feeling of regret. Yeah, I don't like those questions because I can't go back yeah. 10 years in time. Right. You know, and it's really not my style to spend energy thinking about shit I can't change. Right. But, right. Uh, well, but think about, and, and I understand what you're saying about the tenure. It's not really useful 
But in this situation, it's nice for the people who are listening to get some advice from someone more weathered. Well, but that's another thing I learned from George is he said the second best thing you can do is learn from your own mistakes. And right. I said, what's the best thing you can do is learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> I've made a truckload of mistakes and I remember them. I would just, yeah, go be easy. It doesn't mean take it easy. Right. Work your ass off, but just don't be too emotionally hard on, on yourself and take note when you're doing something good. Take note of it. When you know something is good, you know. You don't need someone else to tell you this is good or that's You know in your gut if you did the work and if it's an interesting piece of work, whatever it is, a, a burger or a story, you know if it's good or not. Yeah, just let's just take it easier, a little bit easier on each other, you know? Awesome. Well, uh, Mr. Montreal, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> thank you, Mr. New York. <laughs> This has been such a wonderful pleasure. Uh, me so, too, man. I I'm really glad, enjoyed it. I'm glad we could connect uh, and uh, make this happen in person. All Thanks, right. man. Thanks, man. Next week, we'll hear from music educator, composer, and performer Jacory Arthur as he speaks to Creative Mornings Louisville on the topic of action. I don't think that anyone in this room, anyone you ever meet, will be the best at what they want to be reading a book or watching some sort of documentary. I think that everything in life is all about experience. You have to go out there and live it. You have to commit this action, so to speak. Our thanks to Justin Kingsley and everyone at Creative Mornings. This episode was produced and edited by S. Mateo with sound engineering, mixing, and original score by Devin C. Johnson at Little Library Studios in collaboration with S. Mateo Music. This week's rooster comes courtesy of Leanne in Johannesburg. Follow us on Twitter at Creative Morning. Remember, it's singular. And use hashtag PodcastCM when you tweet at us. For a complete archive of talks or just to get involved, go to creativemornings.com. Creative Mornings.